the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If the Bible says it's wrong, it's wrong. If the Bible says it's right, it's right. The Bible is the standard of right and wrong. You know, when you hear it put that way, it does seem pretty simple, doesn't it? That's Pastor Leighton Sheely, and he's the senior pastor at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. And this is an outreach ministry called Study Verse by Verse. He takes us through the Word of God one verse at a time. And he's in the book of Matthew, the fifth chapter, and a section of the Sermon on the Mount called the Beatitudes. If you'd like to listen to any past broadcasts, you can do that on our ministry website, studyversebyverse.com. More information about Church of the Highlands can always be found on the website highlands.us. And I'll talk a little bit more about the service times at the church at the end of the broadcast. Here's Pastor Layton. Believers are called to uphold the standards of right and wrong. Whether or not they can maintain those standards themselves is irregardless. Salt is also a preservative. That was true then, it's even true today, because back then they didn't have refrigerators and things like that, and that tropical environment, uh, food would oftentimes rot very, very quickly, especially meat, and so it would be stored in salt. And so what he's talking about is the tendency of this world to go from stages of decay, of rotting, and we are called to be a preservative. Now, we've all been around people where when you're around them, it's easy to be good because of the example that they set. And we've all been around people when you're around them, it's not so easy to be good because of the example they set. And Christians are called to set a good example so the people around us are encouraged to do what's right in the sight of God. There's another feature of salt, and that is that it brings flavor. And Christians are supposed to bring flavor to this world. Last night, my wife got me one of those rotisserie chickens from Costco. I'll tell you, folks, that's the best deal in town. And it's even better when you put some salt on it. Now, I've been told that technically sodium chloride salt doesn't lose its flavor. But remember that the salt in first century Mediterranean wasn't pure salt. It was kind of mixed in with other stuff. So if you lost some of the salt, then you ended up with sand or something like that. Now, who wants to put sand on their food? You know, if it loses its saltiness, it's no longer good for anything. It's going to be thrown out. And if it gets thrown out, it's going to be trampled underfoot. And then there's another aspect of salt, and that is it it brings thirst. It brings thirst. I remember a story that I heard a long time ago about a new ranch hand. Brand new, and, he, and one of his tasks was to get the horse to go to water, and he couldn't get the horse to go to water. And he was so frustrated, one of the old ranch guys says, you know, it's really simple, just put some salt in his mouth and the horse will go straight to the water. <laughs> the horse is going to be attracted to the water. They're going to get thirsty. We're called to make people thirsty for Christ. 
You know, people who are on fire for Christ, whose lives are filled with righteousness, peace, and joy, you know, people look at them and say, hey, I want what you got. What is that? What is that? Let me, let me introduce you to Jesus. Let me introduce you. We're called to make people thirsty to come to the water of Christ. Uh, verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under the basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. So the first clear implication here with Christ's words is that this world is in spiritual darkness, and the tragedy is that people prefer the darkness to God's light. Now when Jesus uses this expression, it was an expression that was really familiar to his audience because Jerusalem was spoken of as being a light to the Gentiles. And some of the famous rabbis were oftentimes called the lamp of Israel. And, and Jerusalem was indeed a light to the Gentiles, but it was a borrowed light. Oftentimes when I was going through and, and studying, I would read scholars on this, and they would use the illustration of the sun and moon. When we walk out at night and we look up at the sky, we see the moon and it brings light in the darkness. But actually it's not the moon that produces light. The moon only reflects the light that comes from the sun. The sun, is the, it, it, the sun manufactures light. We are not called to be the sun, nor can we be. Only God can produce the light. We are called to be the moon, to reflect God's light in our darkened world and bring light in the darkness. Light is something that needs to be seen, to be of benefit. And in those homes, they would... Um, they would have a lamp, and the lamp was like a, a sauce boat that was filled with oil, and there was a, a wick uh, floating in it. And they would put it on a branch of wood, a lampstand, so it would give light to people in the house. But they didn't have matches and lighters like we do today. And so uh, instead of putting out the fire, they would put it uh, under uh, a protective uh, bushel or, or a basket that, would, that was designed so it wouldn't allow the fire to burn down their house while they were out. But notice the scene that Jesus is describing here. He's not describing people being away. He's describing people being at home. It gives light to all in the house. What's the point of taking the light and putting it under a basket when everybody in the house is in the house and needs the light? People need the light. We're called to bring the light. You notice what Jesus says. He didn't say, you are the light of the church. He said, you are the light of the world. We're supposed to take the light of Christianity into the world. Wherever it is that we are, whatever it is that we're doing, we're supposed to bring Christianity to that place. If we're in a restaurant, we need to treat the waitress like a Christian should treat a waitress. Which means, by the way, being really generous with your tips. <laughs> if we're in a store and we're, we're conducting business, we treat the, the clerk with the respect that a Christian should. Oh, and let me tell you about if you're driving or parking, please act like a Christian. And if you can't do that, would you please remove all Christian bumper stickers from your car? My wife told me before the, the previous ser service, or one of the, she said that, that we got a call from one of the neighbors, and they think that one of our cars is parked across their driveway. We shouldn't do that. We're Christians. We, we, 
We need to act Christian all the time. All the time. Somebody said, well, is it okay to be a secret disciple? <laughs> no. Because either the secrecy destroys the discipleship or the discipleship destroys the secrecy. Because if you're really a disciple, then God is at work in you, changing you, and you are not going to be able to keep that a secret. Lights have several functions. Lights are a guide. Uh, sailors have a saying, red, right, return. And the idea of that saying is to keep the ship in the middle of the channel where it's safe instead of it going aground by going out of the channel. Light is a guide. And, and we're, to, we're to provide guidance, godly guidance to our world. Light can also be a warning. Lighthouses were intended to warn sailors about dangerous shores. And sometimes we as Christians are called to give people warnings. And sometimes those people don't want to hear the warnings. Nevertheless, we have a responsibility to tell them, listen, the course you were on, the path you were on, is not going to end well. It says so in God's Word. And one of the great tragedies is when we hear people say, I wish somebody would have told me uh, that I was on the wrong path. We have a responsibility to warn people if they're on the wrong path, that the path that they're on is leading to injury or destruction. Verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. In the same way as a lamp, a light is put on a lampstand so it can show the light before others, so likewise we are called to shine. And, and, it, and it talks about good works or good deeds here. And Greek has more than one word that describes good. Uh, one of the words is agathos, which means something that is good in quality. It has a, a quality that is good. And there's another word, which is kalos, which means a quality that is good, but not only good, it's also attractive. It's also winsome. That's the word that's used here. Not only a good that's good in terms of quality, but also a good that's good in terms of being attractive. You know, there are good, good works that are, are not attractive, like those that are done with legalistic harshness and so forth. There's a goodness that attracts. There's a goodness that repels. We're to, to live lives that are filled with a goodness that attracts. Not attention to ourselves, but to God, that they might give glory to God. You know, there are people who do good for the wrong reasons. They do good to get attention to themselves. A real believer isn't interested in bringing attention to themselves. They're not interested in getting the glory themselves. They want to give the glory to God. It's all about giving God the glory. So a real believer wants God to get the glory. Now, this is the first time in the gospel, this gospel where God is referred to as Father, and he goes on almost four dozen times in the chapters that follow to refer to God as Father. Only John's gospel makes those, that connection of God as Father more often than Matthew's gospel. Now, for us, We've heard it so often, we, don't, we just kind of take it for granted. But it was a radical, revolutionary idea to think of the creator of the universe and sustainer of the universe as our Father. That was presumption to the nth degree. 
but because of what Christ has done for us. We have the privilege of coming into the presence of the creator and sustainer of the universe as our loving, heavenly Father. All through Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen indeed. That's Pastor Leighton Sheely wrapping up another message in this series in the fifth chapter of the book of Matthew. It's called the Sermon on the Mount, and he'll be back tomorrow with the beginning of a new message in this same series. I hope you can join us. If you'd like to know more about Church of the Highlands, please check out the website, highlands.us. We'd love to know that you're listening to the broadcast. You can share that fact with us when you just click on the contact link on the homepage. And details about the service times across the weekend online are available on that website. Of course, there are multiple opportunities for you to join the rest of the congregation in worship. Plus, you can check out those uh, various ways in which you can grow in your walk with Christ outside of the Sunday morning worship time and perhaps also serve, exercise your spiritual gifts at Church of the Highlands. Again, go to the website for any information you need. That's highlands.us. I'm Mike Trout. Have a blessed rest of your day and come back tomorrow when we'll once again open the Word of God and study verse by verse.